Father, we just uh, come to you tonight and just pray for your spirit to fill this place, Lord, that, uh, Lord, that break down any walls that may be there and that we would be able to uh, just continue to worship you through the word and to understanding who you are. Just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, uh, we've been quite a bit of turmoil in the family, uh, Jacob's family, and we finished off, everything's good, uh, the family's kind of all together, Joseph has revealed himself to his to his brothers, and uh, uh, Pharaoh gave his brothers, uh, you know, uh, donkeys and carts, and said, you know, go home and get your dad, bring the whole family down, so that's where we left off last week, and so in Genesis 46, starting in verse 1, it says, So Israel took his journey with all he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. So uh, Jacob's taken off. He's, he's in uh, Hebron. That's where he was living at the time. And he traveled south towards Egypt uh, until he gets to uh, Beersheba. And if you think back, Beersheba... I mean, if you go all the way back to Abraham anyway, there's a lot of history in uh, Beersheba. Uh, Jacob's grandfather, Abraham, dug a well there. And you remember when uh, uh, Abraham took his son Isaac up to Mount Moriah, and we see this whole picture of uh, Christ going to the cross and uh, through through Isaac. And, well, when they came back from that excursion, uh, they actually uh, lived in uh, Beersheba. So uh, Isaac, he didn't do a lot of moving around, but he basically lived in Beersheba. And if you remember, uh, that's where they were at when Jacob uh, kind of, I don't know what you want to call it, he he went to go to live with his uncle Laban because uh, he was afraid his his brother was going to kill him. And so uh, you got to think that Jacob is uncomfortable um, going down to Egypt. If you think back, uh, Abraham went into Egypt and not a whole lot of good came out of that excursion. Uh, it was, I think, if Abraham had any regrets, it would have been, maybe I shouldn't have went to Egypt. Uh, and then flat out, uh, God told Isaac, his dad, don't go there. And so I think that uh, Jacob, is he's familiar with uh, Beersheba, so he stops there, you know, it's kind of like a, it's like, a, I don't know if you know, but um, after we, Jane and I have traveled up and down the coast of California for a few years, and and there's, we just know that at certain places where we're going to stop, I mean, we just feel comfortable because, you know, we've been there before, we know the lay of the land, so to speak, and so I think that's kind of what happened with uh, with Jacob, you know, he's probably, you know, concerned, and so he stops at Beersheba, and uh, he, it says that, you know, that he, uh, what was it? He offered sacrifices to the God of his father, uh, Isaac. And, and so it's quite a difference between the Jacob that left home, right, kind of running away from Esau, heading towards uh, Laban's house to, to, to get a wife. And, and, you know, he didn't really wasn't even considering God at all. And he ends up spending the night there. He has that dream of the the ladder, and the Lord is at the top of the ladder, and there's people moving back and forth into heaven. 
and he kind of has one of his aha moment there. What is he says, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Okay, so it's kind of like at that point, I think Jacob spiritually he comes alive. So in verse two, it says, then God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night. Okay, Israel, you know that's just Jacob's new name, right? He's he's representing actually now the nation of Israel because he's got his whole family and they're heading down to Egypt. And so in verse 2 again, it says, Then God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here I am. So he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down into Egypt, uh, for I will make you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will surely bring you up again. And Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. So God says to uh, Jacob, you know, uh, he says, do not fear. And if you think about it, uh, Jacob kind of has a history of fear. Uh, I'm just, if you think, he says when he left home to go to Laban's house, he was he was afraid that his brother was going to come after him and kill him. Uh, he was fearful of Laban, uh, uh, fearful of Laban when he was leaving, leaving Laban's house. <laughs> yeah, he was fearful of meeting up with Esau on his way back home. All right, and then he was fearful when he left Shechem. Remember after the the incident and uh, Simeon, and they went and did their deed there. And uh, so he's. If you really stop and think about most of his life, and when we're reading about what he's doing, he's afraid. So, but if we look back on all the times that he was afraid, did anything bad happen to Jacob during those times? So then I had to think about in my own life, and so I got to ask you the question can you remember? all the times you were fear, fearful and worried about something that's going to happen and then nothing happened. I think that's the, uh, I'd say for me anyway, the vast, 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 not even close to being is just totally almost always. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe 99.9% of the time when you go through that feeling. So we can look at Jacob and say, you know, God came to Jacob and said, he says, you know, hey, do not fear. Go down to Egypt, right? So after I thought about it, to me, I was thinking, I think maybe God's talking to me. There's a verse in Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 41.10. You might want to go there if you're not familiar with it. This is a good one that you can, if you want to mark up your Bible, you can underline this one. Isaiah 41, 10. So, it says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. Remember we talked about that word dismayed last week, right? Like, dismayed, they don't really know how to translate that word. Maybe discombobulated or fearful, scared terrified, everything all rolled up into one. Fear not, for I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. 
Okay. So Isaiah wrote that for us. He, you know, it's there. So God says, don't be afraid. And so God reassures Jacob that he's okay to go to Egypt. And, uh, but if you consider Jacob's, the last 20 years of his life, right? It's been 20 some years since, uh, Joseph was, uh, basically left the scene. And uh, there's been quite a bit of stuff in his life. So, but anyway, God reassures him it's going to be okay. And he says he's going to make him a great nation there. And Joseph will put his hand on Jacob's eyes. And so he's referring, he's telling uh, Jacob, hey, look, you're going to die there. And your son Joseph is going to, you know, when you pass away, he's going to, he's going to put your hand, close your eyes for you. So he's kind of telling him, this is what's coming. So that whole encounter there, uh, when I, after I read that, I was thinking about it. Uh, there's some verses in John. And John chapter 10, uh, verses 7 through 10, if you want to write that down. He says, Then Jesus said to them again, he's talking to his disciples, Most assuredly, I say to you that I am the door of the sheep. So basically, uh, in, in the wintertime, they had these kind of shelters for the sheep, and they would run these uh sheep into the shelter and they didn't have like a regular gate there was just an opening and the shepherd would lay down in the door so the sheep wouldn't escape or any any bad thing tried to come in so that's what jesus says i say to you i am the door of the sheep and whoever came before me are thieves and robbers but the sheep did not hear them so there he's talking about false teachers he says i am the door he says it again if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So when uh, God recognized, you know, that uh, Jacob is afraid, he told him, he basically told him, look, you need to go into Egypt and have an abundant life. He promised him, he says, you know what? You go down there, I'm going to make a great nation out of you down there. So verse 5, Then Jacob arose from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried their father Jacob, their little ones, and their wives, in the carts which Pharaoh had sent to carry them. Uh, So they took their livestock and their goods, which they had acquired in the land of Canaan, and went to Egypt. Jacob and all of his descendants with him, his sons, his son's sons, his daughters, and his son's daughters, and all his descendants he brought with him to Egypt. So verses uh, 8 through 25, uh, it really kind of lists all the people in uh, Jacob's family. And um, I'm not going to read all those names. You can read those uh, on your own. But a quick summary, basically the family consists of Jacob and his wives, Twelve sons and one daughter, 52 grandchildren. I thought we were doing good with eight. Not so much. And four great-grandsons. It's just, by the way, too, Benjamin had ten sons. Just a little tidbit. You know, the youngest. uh, So he had ten sons. He must have had a few wives. So picking up at Genesis 46, 26, and it says, "All All the persons who went with Jacob to Egypt 
who came from his body besides Jacob's son's wives were 66 persons in all. And the sons of Joseph who were born to him in Egypt were two, two persons. All the persons in the house of Jacob who went to Egypt were 70. So they got 70 people in the family. That's what they went in. That's what they start off with. They come out a whole lot more. So verse 28, <clears throat> verse 28, he says, Then he sent Judah before him to Joseph. Uh, this is Jacob. He says, Judah, go down there and uh, meet up with Joseph to point out to him uh, the way to Goshen. And they came to the land of Goshen. So I'm going to show you a lot of times uh, when we... uh, There's Goshen. Okay, we're zoomed in on the Nile River, the, the Delta in Egypt. Okay, so you can see Goshen. It's in the northeast uh sector of the delta of the Nile River, which is actually a pretty good place to be. I'm going to zoom out a little bit right now. And you can see down here now, here's Goshen down here. And this is Israel up in here. So you can get a kind of a big picture. So you can see it's strategically placed to exit also. So they're right here. When they want to go back, they're right in, instead of having to come up all from deep in Egypt, they can leave right from here and go to here. And then the next one is super simplified. Okay, here's Goshen. And you can see this is the route that he took. You can see the Sea of Galilee, the Dead Sea, and now there's Hebron, and where he stopped in Beersheba, and then this is the rest of the journey here. So, so that's Goshen. Uh, so let's start at 28 again. Then... Then then he sent Judah before him uh, to Joseph to point out before him the way to Goshen. And they came to the land of Goshen. So Joseph made ready his chariot, and he went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel and presented himself to him. And he fell on his neck, and he wept on his neck for a good while. So it had to be uh, a pretty emotional scene, I would think, all these years, you know, Joseph was clearly his uh, favorite son, and uh, but I think over the years, when you hear the the next uh, the next sentence, what happens? He says, "And Israel said to Joseph, this is verse thirty. Now let me die. I've seen your face because you are still alive." And it just seems to me like Jacob is he's an old guy and he's kind of wore out. Like, wow, I'm here. You're here, I've seen you, I can go die now. <laughs> you know? It just seemed like, you know, he might have been a little depressed or something. I don't know. Verse 31. Then Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and say to him, My brothers and those of my father's house who are in the land of Canaan have come to me. And the men are shepherds, for their occupation has been to feed livestock and they have brought their flocks, their herds, and all that they have. So it shall be when the Pharaoh calls you and says, What is your occupation? You shall say, Your servant's occupation has been with livestock, 
from our youth even till now, both we and also our fathers, that you may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. So basically, uh, when you there's some uh, parallels between uh, uh, Joseph and Jesus here. Um, and this is kind of part of it. It says that uh, Jacob's basically going to intercede uh, for his brothers before the Pharaoh. And uh, the the actual social system that they had uh, in those times really put the Pharaoh like here or maybe here, I should say, and Joseph's family down here because uh, shepherds were like at totally outcasts. I mean, we saw before where when they sat down to eat uh, last week and we, they sat down to eat that they had to set at a separate table from the Egyptians. The Egyptians were like, we can't even be seen with these guys. So, so you got uh, the Pharaoh who is like almost like a godlike figure and then you have uh, the lowly shepherds who are kind of like us, sinners. So, but if you think about it, Joseph is totally qualified to intercede. Uh, he's able to represent both sides. Uh, he's, he's lived his life as the lowly shepherd, uh, but for the last seven years, he's been uh, the, at the right hand of the Pharaoh. He's been like basically the second the most powerful person in all of Egypt. So uh, in Hebrews chapter 4, uh, it kind of describes this type of thing, but it's describing Jesus. And, you know, from uh, you guys have been talking about Jesus on in Hebrews on Sunday mornings. And, and so this here kind of fits that same scenario of, of Joseph going in and interceding for his brothers because he's completely at home in the, in the you know, in the Pharaoh's presence and he's completely at home. Uh, with his brothers also. So just like Jesus is fully God and he's fully man. And so in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, who is that? Jesus, the Son of God, uh, let us hold fast our confession. Let me explain. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So he's talking about the fully man part of Jesus. Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So you can see that Joseph is sort of filling that role uh, here for his brothers. In verse, verse 1 of chapter 47, it says, and Joseph went and told Pharaoh, and he said, my father and my brother, brothers, their flocks and their herds and all they possess has come from the land of Canaan and indeed are in the land of Goshen. And the men, and uh, he took five men from among his brothers and presented them to Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to his brothers, what's your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, your servants are shepherds, both we and also our fathers. Verse 4 and they said to Pharaoh, We have come to dwell in the land because your servants have no pasture for their flocks, for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. 
Now therefore, please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh spoke to Joseph, saying, Your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Have your father and your brothers dwell in the best of the land. Uh, let them dwell in the land of Goshen. And if you, if you know any competent men among them, then make them chief herdsmen over my livestock. So uh, we're talking about uh, an overnight success here. You know, one day they're wandering, uh, wondering where their next meal is going to come from, and the next day uh, they're chief herdsmen for the pharaoh. And if, if, it just seems like more good things keep happening as they come down into Egypt. But if you remember what God told Abraham, he says, uh, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. So the Pharaoh's saying, come on down. Here, you got the best land. Go up there in the northeast side of the delta, you know, where you're going to have, there's going to be some water there, plenty of good grazing land. You'll be able to raise some crops. So I think things are going to be good there. And so then Joseph, verse 7, then, then Joseph brought in his father Jacob and set him before the Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Okay? So right off the bat, Jacob walks in and he blessed Pharaoh. So what does that really mean? I, I, don't, think it's, uh, I don't think it's a huge thing. I think basically what he did is he witnessed for the God of Israel. He said, you know what? Pharaoh, I want to bless you in the name of the God of Israel. You know, El Shaddai, God Almighty. So the first thing he does when he meets him, he says that. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, how old are you? And verse 9, and Jacob said to Pharaoh, "Uh, the the days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. And they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. So here again, it's like uh, (laughs) Jacob kind of, to me, kind of puts on the grumpy old man thing a little bit, you know. He says, the days and years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil. Evil is kind of a, I looked at that, evil, what is that? But... uh, it's just basically saying, man, I had a hard life. I had a hard life. And the days of the years of my life, they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. He's basically saying, man, I'm at a hard life. And he's talking like, I'm ready to die right now. And you know what? I'm not even as old as, you know, Abraham and, and Isaac were. So what does he do next? So Jacob blessed Pharaoh. He turns around and says, you know what? I want to bless you in the name of the God of Israel. And went out from before Pharaoh. So uh, Jacob just blessed the Pharaoh coming and going. Kind of a short interchange there, you know. But uh, I think Jacob's having a hard time right now. Everything I read, you know, it's he's having a hard time. Verse 11. And Joseph situated his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt. 
in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. Then Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and all his father's household with bread according to the numbers in their families. So in verse 13, now uh, the story is going to shift back to the famine. Okay, remember, we're still in the middle of a serious famine here. So in 13, it says, Now there is no bread at all in the land, for the famine was very, very, very severe, so uh, that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished because of the famine. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan for the grain which they bought. And Joseph brought the money to Pharaoh's house. So he's basically saying is, is that uh, it was different in those days. You know, they had physical coins, silver and gold coins, and that's what they traded in. And Joseph literally got all of the money that was in Egypt and that was in Canaan. It wasn't like today, oh, we just fire up the printing presses and just print some more money. He literally got all of the money that was in these two countries. So, And so verse 15, it says, and he got it all to Pharaoh. So when the money failed in the land of Egypt, which means he had all the money, right? Uh, and in the land of Canaan, uh, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us bread, for why should we die in your presence? For the money has failed. Or it's like, we're broke. We don't have any money. It's all gone. Then Joseph said, Give me your livestock, and I will give you bread for your livestock uh, if the money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and Joseph gave them bread in exchange for the horses, the flocks, the cattle of the herds, and for the donkeys. Thus he fed them with bread in exchange for all their livestock that year. So times are tough, you know. People got to do what they got to do, so they turn over all their livestock to Joseph in exchange for food. In verse 18, it gets worse. When that year had ended, uh, they came to him the next year and said to him, We will not hide from my Lord that our money is gone. Uh, My Lord has also also has our herds of livestock. There's nothing left in the sight of my Lord but our bodies and our lands. Why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land, by us and our land for bread, and we and our land will be servants of Pharaoh? Give us seed that we may live and not die, that the land may not be desolate. So now they're saying, look, okay, uh, we kind of learned a little bit about their how their economy worked there. So they had private uh, landowners, and you know they said, you know what, you, we gotta we gotta have something to eat. So in exchange for something to eat, we're now we're gonna go ahead and turn over our land, and and actually we'll be slaves to the pharaoh. So verse 20, then Joseph bought all the land in Egypt for Pharaoh, for every man of the Egyptians sold his field because the famine was severe upon him. So the land became Pharaoh's. As for the people, he moved them into the cities from one end of the borders of Egypt to the other end. Only the land of the priest he did not buy, for the priest had rations 
allotted to them by Pharaoh, and they ate their rations, which Pharaoh gave them. Therefore, they did not uh, sell their lands. So he's got everything now. Everything belongs to uh, Pharaoh. I mean, literally, the people, the land, the herds, and everything. But they're alive. In verse 23, Then Joseph said to the people, Indeed, I have bought you and your land this day for Pharaoh. Look, here is seed for you, and you shall sow the land. Okay? So Joseph knows. He knows that the famine's over because he had interpreted the dream and he knew that the seven years of famine are over. So uh, he gives it to them, to tells them, go out and plant crops. And, and it shall come to pass in the harvest that you shall give one-fifth to Pharaoh. Four-fifths shall be your own as seed for the field and for your food, for those of your household, and as food for your little ones. It's kind of interesting when you read this in context, one-fifth to the Pharaoh, four-fifths to uh, the people. It doesn't really sound like a bad deal, does it? I mean, considering you've been starving all these years. I mean, when I read it, I didn't think about it. And then I started thinking, like, doing the math. Oh, fifth, that's 20%. It's like, well, that's like a federal income tax, 20%. That's quite a bit, you know. But uh, anyway, that was the deal. And, and verse 25 is, So they said, You have saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. And Joseph made it law over the land of Egypt to this day, that Pharaoh should have one-fifth except for the land of the priests only, which did not become Pharaoh's. Verse 27. So Israel, we're talking about Jacob now, right? So Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions there and grew and multiplied exceedingly. Uh, It's kind of interesting if you think about it, that it's kind of the perfect plan, really, because you got this group of 70 people, right? They start off with 70 people. And if they're up in Canaan, you know, and the Hittites are up there, there's a lot of rough characters up there, there'd really be no way for them to defend themselves, you know, a clan of 70 people. But God sets it up so that they go down into Egypt. He puts them in the best land in Egypt, and he's under, they're under the protection of the Pharaoh, so they just need to live and multiply, right? Right? Because that's, God said, I'm going to make you a great nation. They had to have a place where this whole thing could kind of incubate and start. Okay? So uh, he says there, they grew and multiplied exceedingly in verse 28. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the length of Jacob's life was 147 years. When the time drew near that Israel must die, he called his son Joseph and said to him, he says, Now if I have found favor in your sight, please put your hand under my thigh and deal kindly and truly with me. Remember, that was uh, kind of a cultural thing. It's like, hey, it's kind of like we're making a, like a deal here, right? Uh, 
he says, Now if I found favor in your sight, please put your hand on my thigh and deal kindly and truly with me. Please do not bury me in Egypt, but let me lie with my fathers. You shall carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burial place. So you remember when uh, Abraham bought the cave at the end of the field in Machpelah? He bought it from, what was that guy? Uh, some Hittite guy. I know that. I can't forget his name now. Huh? Do you remember his name? I'm, I'm not sure. But anyway, basically he's saying, I want to go back and I want to be buried in the cave in Machpelah. Remember, and he had to buy the field too. He just wanted the cave. And the guy said, no, no, you can't have the field. Uh, you can't have the cave. You've got to buy the field too. And he charged him like maybe 10 times as much as it was really worth. But Abraham bought it anyway, right? Okay, so that's where he wants to go back to. Uh, and, and he said, this is Joseph now. He said, And he said, I will do as you have said. In verse 31, then he said, now this is Jacob, swear to me. And he swore to him. So Israel bowed himself on the head of the bed. So we're going to stop there and we're going to start with Genesis uh, uh, 48 uh, uh, next week. But, uh, you know, it's always a good idea. We talked about this last week is to kind of just think about uh, these stories and think about God and think about uh, what he's done and how he's interacted with these guys. I mean, you can go all the way back to Abraham and just think about that. You know, um, you know, I have and to be honest with you, uh, the first uh, Bible study we ever did was in Genesis, and there was no heavy theological reason why did Genesis was like the first book in the Bible, right? So we went through it. And uh, we're getting close to the end now, and if you just really stop and think about it or go back and read from Genesis 12 to where we're at again now, it doesn't take that long. Just read it again and just because you kind of know the end of the story now. We're getting close to the end. If you just think about that, and you just think about how God dealt with these people, um, it's just truly amazing uh, who God really is. But you have to stop and really think about it. You know what I mean? It's one thing, oh yeah, I know where this verse is and that verse. But when you stop and think about who God is and how he dealt with these people, it's truly amazing so that's something you can do uh, on your own and be far more productive if you listen to me talk about it so father just thank you for the night that we've had tonight and lord for the just for the worship music and uh, just for your spirit to be here with us and lord just how awesome that you are and father there's just no words to describe how great you are, God Almighty. And Lord, we just thank you that uh, you've put this word down for us that we could have insight to you and how you deal with people and the people that are there that have fears just like we have. And Lord, that you know that and uh, you tell us to fear not that you're with us. And Lord, we just thank you for that and just um, pray that we would think about you and live our lives for you as we go out this week. In Jesus' name, amen.